1: you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at Airbnb.com/slash host.
0: These aren't the stories your mother told you. No, these are the other stories. <laughs> Today's episode of The Other Stories is Have Hold Written by Thomas Kent West And narrated by Jasmine Arch
1: When the sickness gets to be too much Mark drives us up to the lake It's a long ride north Out of the city And for a few hours I almost feel like myself There's no nausea There's no tremors There are no voices. I watch the pine trees slide by the sunroof, reaching for the grey sky. The car rattles down a gravel road, Mark taking it slowly around the turns, a hand on my leg. He smiles at me, gently, and tells me everything is going to be alright. That the lake, the fresh air, a change of scenery, all of these things will make me feel better. I don't believe him, of course. The voices have told me not to believe anyone. They want to isolate me, to cut me off from the world, from Mark. Why, I don't know. Just like I don't know where the voices came from to begin with. It had started a month ago, maybe earlier if you count the first bouts of nausea. It was only when I was too ill to move, and I had to be confined to bed, that the voices began... At first, they were just whispers at the edge of my perception, unintelligible to me. When I heard them in bed, I assumed I was falling asleep, that my dreams were reaching into the waking world and making me hallucinate. But then I heard them as I brushed my teeth, as I tried to watch television. They were groups of voices. All layered over one another, speaking in hushed tones, so quickly that I couldn't understand a word they said. At first, it had been minor sleepwalking, thrashing in bed. Mark would tell me about it in the morning, and we'd laugh about how strange it was. I figured I must have been stressed. I read a few blog posts about somnambulism and ordered medicine online. I tried meditating before bed but that only made the voices seem louder in the quiet room. It was like they were in my head, worming their way through the skull and into my thoughts. I didn't want to tell Mark about the voices at first. I was afraid he would think I was crazy, or lying for attention. Still, as the illness got worse, I had no choice. Mark understood, he admonished me for not telling him sooner and then called the doctor straight away. A doctor came to the house. Not my usual doctor, because it was hard to find one that made house calls, and told me that he couldn't find anything wrong with me. He prescribed a bottle of moonlight pills that might help with the nausea and the tremors, but wouldn't do anything about the voices. For that... We need to get special tests done. Special tests not covered by insurance, which we almost certainly couldn't afford. But then the cat had died. I suppose that is a diplomatic way of putting it. The cat had been killed. It was sleepwalking, if you could call it that. It had been a rough day with the voices... They grew clearer by the hour and I could make out some of their pleas. Run. Hide. Trust no one. Pray. Each voice seemed to want something different. I took my medicine and went to bed, not wanting to be awake a moment longer. I dreamed a dreamless sleep, twitching as I fell deeper and deeper into the black. My dreams troubled me. They rolled in waves of images, of sounds. The voices came even in my dreams, making the sleep restless. When I woke, I was caught in a tangle of sheets, the white linen stained with blood. I screamed. I couldn't help myself. My skin was coated in the slickness of it, and my hands stuck to the mattress crusted with blood and fur. Mark woke when I screamed. He looked at me with horror, falling off the bed and right onto the body of the dead cat. Her name had been Tabby, a calico whose bright orange fur was now slick with blackish blood. She lay in a circle of blood, a circle drawn crudely, painted as if by a child. And all around it, symbols I couldn't understand. Angular things, mad things, notes from a demon's alphabet. The next day, Mark called a psychic to the house. We weren't religious people, or even spiritual people. We didn't even know how to go about finding a priest. I try to imagine that phone call. Hello, yes? St. Mark's Catholic Church? What do you have by way of exorcists? But I couldn't bring myself to actually place the call. Mark took care of the psychic. He found her online, and her website said that she dealt with dark energies and attachments. We had both seen enough horror movies to guess what this was. The voices, the sleepwalking, the violence I couldn't remember. But we didn't have it in us to admit it not without a professional opinion. The psychic was a little woman with leathery hands and a face caked with rouge and purple eyeliner. She wore a beaded shawl and a black dress, and her eyes were narrow and bright, taking in each corner and cobweb of the house. We'd cleaned up the cat, Mark had cleaned up the cat, but I wondered if she could feel the blood still stuck between the floorboards. I was in bed when she came to me, and I wondered how I must look. Grey skin, sunken eyes, cat's blood still stuck beneath my fingernails. Did she see me, or only my dark attachment? My God, she whispered when she saw me. Poor girl! She made the sign of the cross, then took out a rosary from her purse and raised it in the air. Her face seemed frightened like she couldn't bear to look at me, but couldn't look away. Demon, she said. A demon has attached itself to you, something not of this world, something that wants to cause only harm. You must run. Leave this place, and the demon may leave you behind as well. Run and pray. And with that, the psychic left. She didn't say another word, even as Mark followed her out, begging her to stay. When he came back in, His face was drawn, dejected. The next day, we left for the lake. Now, I lie in a new bed. The sheets are starchy, and an ancient quilt covers me, patterned with evening light through the cabin window. The light lingers on my exposed ankle, where Mark has changed me to the bed. I agreed to it. How could I not? I was dangerous, to myself. To so Mark, it was better this way. Until we got rid of whatever was inside me. The voices, the demon, whatever you wanted to call it. I would stay chained. Mark comes by as often as he can. He brings me food and my medicine. Those little moonwhite pills. Sometimes, he even wheels in a TV. And when I'm feeling more myself... We watch shows. He takes such good care of me that I almost forgot I was planning to leave him. Just before I got sick, I was secretly packing my things. I had a place to stay at my sister's house and a job lined up in her town. Mark was a good man and he loved me. But he bordered on obsessive, controlling. He wanted to know where I was, who I was speaking to once, I caught him looking through my phone, reading my text messages. i changed the password since and deleted all the messages from my sister. I figured I would leave when I got better. It was so much easier having Mark there to care for me, but there always seemed to be an excuse. Another reason to put off leaving. Years and years I'd spent with him, after all our love had dried up. Not happy? unhappy. But now, there was something more to us. He cared for me. He loved me. He always would. Those qualities that made me want to leave him, his obsessive nature, his overbearing demeanor, were the very same qualities that made him a good caretaker. Mark gave me my medicine, kissed me on the forehead, and then closed the door behind him. The pills usually put me to sleep, But I was still awake when the voices came. They whispered into my ear, hissing and chattering, and I felt a bump beneath my pillow. At first I wasn't sure. It was dark in the room except for the forest moon shining through the window. I sat up in bed, dizzy and nauseous from the medicine, the room just starting to spin. I felt at the sheets beneath my pillow, pulling back the corner, and in the moonlight saw something black and serpentine taped to the mattress. I pulled at it, and the cord came free. It was a black cable attached to a small black knob, like a speaker. I blinked, raised the black knob to my ear, and the little speaker spoke in a thousand layered voices. I dropped it. At first I thought that this too was a hallucination. It had to be. The meds were hitting me. I was going to wake up any moment and find that I was dreaming. But the cold metal of the handcuff around my ankle, biting into me, reminded me that I was awake. I ripped the cord further. It snaked along the back of the bed, through the mattress, into the wooden wall, leading to some control box. I listened to the voices again, just to be sure, but I knew. They were the same voices that I'd been hearing for months. Had speakers like this been in our house? In my pillow? Had I been too sick and drugged up to notice them? I was not dreaming. I had never been dreaming or hallucinating, the voices had been real the whole time. Ghosts piped in through a wire, but that meant that Mark should have heard them too, even if they were quiet, even if they were always a whisper. He should have heard them, but every time I asked him to listen he'd said he heard nothing. I swallowed, tears welling in my eyes, panic closing my throat. He'd been lying. My blood went cold, and I felt as though my heart was shattering like dropped glass. I shook my head as if the motion would dislodge the thought. The room spun, the drugs still trying to drag me down. The small speaker still whispering in a thousand hissing voices. My Mark could have killed the cat. Mark could have drawn those symbols, then covered me in blood. I would never have known. I thought of the messages to my sister. The job interviews, two turns over. If he'd seen the messages, figured out my plan somehow, if he'd known that I was leaving him, what would he do to make me stay? I didn't want to think of it. I couldn't. Instead... I jostled the handcuff chained to my leg. Mark had the keys. It's what we agreed on. I tried to slip the metal cuff off my ankle, but the metal just bit into the soft flesh of my heel. I pulled until I saw blood. It was no use. I kicked the wooden post of the bed, futilely trying to crack it open, but the sound echoed through the small cabin. The door creaked open. At first, Mark's face was normal. Just a look of concern, cast in dark shadows against the light of the room beyond. But then he saw me, foot bleeding, desperately trying to escape. Something flashed in his eyes. He stepped in, arms raised. Baby, baby, what are you doing? He said, in a voice of eerie calm. Stay away from me! I pulled backwards on the bed, but the handcuff kept me in place. You're not well, he said, smiling gently. You didn't know what you were doing. He stepped towards me, looking as loving and gentle as ever. You just needed to remember that you're mine.
0: I hope you enjoyed today's episode of the other stories have hold was written by thomas kent west narrated by jasmine arch edited by duncan muggleton with music by um corpse and tom robson and sound effects provided by freesound.org the episode illustration was provided by luke spooner of carry on house a quick thanks to our community managers joshua boucher and jasmine arch and to carolyn o'brien for helping by submission reading and of course to ben errington for leaping from the social media plane For Content Parachutery Thomas Kent West is an American writer of speculative fiction. He's the winner of Horror Babble's Artifacts of Horror Contest and the Black Hole Entertainment Short Fiction Prize. Thomas has previously published with the other stories as Thomas X Teller. He can read more of his work by visiting his Twitter, at Thomas Kent West. Jasmine Arch is a writer, poet, narrator, podcaster and all-round chaos for brains. She lives in a nook of Belgian countryside with two horses, four dogs, and a husband who knows better than to distract her when she's writing. Her work has appeared in The Other Stories, NewMyths.com, and Hybrid Fiction, among others. You can find out more about her and her work at JasmineArch.com. The Other Stories is a production of the Story Studio Hawk and Cleaver, and is brought to you in Creative Commons Attribution, Non-Commercial, No Derivatives License. That means don't change it, don't sell it, but by all means, share the hell
1: out of it. So, until next time.